Hello everyone and welcome to Always Choose Orange and welcome to 2024. We made it. So there's a thing in the air this time of year, right, where we're all talking about goals, dreams, resolutions, hopes, plans. There's just a lot of energy in deciding who we want to be in this new year uh, with a clean slate. So that's kind of the cool part about heading into the new year is there's this sort of psychological phenomenon of the old year has ended, the new year's beginning. It feels the same way of waking up in the morning and having a new day. And there's something really powerful about that. I also recently learned that January is actually named for the Roman god Janus. And Janus was the god of transitions, of beginnings and endings, and of duality in general. Um, and what's really fascinating is if you look at these ancient depictions of Janus and what uh, the Romans you know, had this god look like. He was often depicted with two heads, and one of the heads would be looking backwards, and one of the heads would be looking forward. So this time of reflection and this time of sort of gazing into our future, that's baked into this, this whole thing or has been for a long time um, since the months have been broken down like they are now. So, um, just want to talk a little bit about that today. So I am training for a marathon and it is my first marathon. The most I have ever run up until this point is a 15K, which is 9.2 or 9.3 miles, I believe. And I ran that in 2019. And so, yeah, this is my first marathon. And so I am working really, really hard. I started training back in September because... 26 miles, super intimidating. And I've been, the only time it really works for me to run, you know, with having a family and having a full-time job is before work in the morning. And so I've been waking up, you know, 5.45, 6 a.m., heading outside and running up the street, probably five or six blocks to a nearby elementary school and then running laps around their track and running home and then getting ready for the day and going to work unless it's a weekend which I do the longer runs on the weekend. But I've been doing this since September, and at the beginning of December, we had just gotten two or three inches of snow, and it was right before our run day, and we recently bought a treadmill on Facebook Marketplace. Um, but a couple things of why I haven't really used that yet is there's something really special about having time outside before the sunrise, getting some fresh air, having that time. I mean, I guess it's not really in nature, but you know, it's closer to nature than being in the house or running on a treadmill. And so I try to do that whenever possible. So it takes a lot for me to not run outside. So it was probably 15 degrees and there was two to three inches of snow on the ground. And I thought about going downstairs and turning on the treadmill, but it's kind of loud and I didn't want to wake the three kids up. So I decided to just suck it up and go outside. And if it was going to be too difficult, I would just come home. So I laced up my running shoes, put on a podcast, run outside and started running up to the elementary school track. Made it up there in, you know, less than five minutes because it's pretty close by and start running around the track. Now I had kind of secretly hoped that someone had cleared off the track that was not the case. There was still two to three inches of snow on this track. So I just, you know, take a deep breath and start running around the track and I'm pressing my feet into this fresh snow and I'm watching these 
these footprints form behind me just on this field of, uh, of clear snow. There's something really beautiful about that. And, um, but also it's a little bit difficult to run, certainly more difficult running on snow than it is running in just, you know, straight up on uh, whatever the track is made of. But I'm really dedicated to getting trained up for this marathon. So I kept going. So after the first lap, there were these, you know, my footprints were there. And so I started trying to run in my footprints as I'm jogging. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, arranging my pace so that the left foot hits the left foot footprints, the right foot hits the right foot footprints and doing my best to do that. You know, sometimes I'm missing and sometimes I'm hitting. Um, so, you know, after like the third or fourth lap, I'm kind of finding my groove of that. It's starting to get a little bit easier. And then around my like 12th or 13th lap, I've started to form just this groove um, where I'm running, you know, more inside of, of a lane and there's kind of I'm actually hitting the ground instead of just snow. So it's becoming easier and easier. I'm running inside of my own tracks, inside of my own footprints. And, um, you know, I concluded the run, uh, ran home, went inside, took a, took a very warm shower, and then got ready for work, went to work, and everything was great. And then a couple days later, um, I had, again, hoped that the track would have been cleared off. I ran back out there for my run. But again, that wasn't the case. However, um, I had formed this track, you know, uh, previously. And so that's the cool part is I went back out there and it was much easier because that groove was already formed. And so I didn't have to think as much about placing my feet in the inside the footprints because there was sort of a, a track within that. And so as I'm running around, um, you know, that second time running in this uh, in the snow, I started looking at the footprints and thinking about brain plasticity. So brain plasticity, of course, is the phenomenon in which our brain physically changes as a result of our thoughts and experiences. You know, it's old news now, but there used to be a belief um, that was really prevalent that our brains actually stopped growing after childhood. Um, but we now, you know, we've known for years now that that's not the case. Our brains are constantly being shaped, they're being molded, they're being altered in response to our life experiences and the things that we think and feel, um, which is good news for all of us who are tired or tend to get tired of who we used to be. We can change our patterns of thinking and behaving so that we can create new mindsets, new memories, new skills, and new abilities, and that is good news. So how does that work? Well, on a really, really basic level, because that's about all I understand, we have these brain cells called neurons. And what neurons do is they communicate with each other to process information. And they do this through electrical impulses and chemical signals that transmit information across these sort of tiny gaps uh, called synapses. So synapses are essentially bridges between these brain cells. And when we learn or think, signals travel across these bridges through, um, like we mentioned earlier, um, electrical signals and chemicals called neurotransmitters. So the more that we repeat thoughts or actions, the stronger these bridges become. And that's why it's easier to recall certain memories for us or why we default to certain emotions. Like if somebody says something about our sweater and we all of a sudden get defensive, you know, that's because these connections have built up over time. So if you've done any casual research on this sort of thing, you probably have heard some crazy statistics that are thrown around as scientific fact. Um, so for example, one that I've heard repeatedly in multiple books and multiple 
articles is that we think on average 60,000 to 70,000 thoughts per day. So if you're like me, when you hear something like that, you're like, how, how does somebody measure that? And, you know, just what? That doesn't, that doesn't sound right at all. So I did a little bit of Googling. I wouldn't say, you know, I wasn't reviewing peer-reviewed scientific papers or anything like that. But, you know, I looked in how many thoughts do we think in a day. And a lot of people were throwing around that number, but there was no study to back it up. So I did some digging and found that, no, that is not, a, you know, a proven number or anything like that. Um, it seems like people don't really know how many thoughts we think per day, but the closest I could find to any sort of stat that had at least a shred of scientific evidence behind it was saying that we think about 6,200 thoughts per day. And they kind of explain how that number um, was arrived at. I have no clue if it's true or not. That's not necessarily the point. I just want to bring it up because even though the exact number doesn't really matter, what does matter is that a good portion of those thoughts tend to be the same thing that we thought the day before or two days before or the previous week. And we tend to think and feel really similar things over long periods of time. And that's kind of what make up our, what we call our personality or our sense of self. So I think of those thoughts and those feelings and those sort of pathways uh, in our brain, I think of them as grooves, much like those that trail of footprints that I left in the snow. And there's actually this old Emily Dickinson poem where she starts it off by saying, the brain within its groove runs evenly and true. So this idea of sort of our thoughts as grooves has you know been around for a while. And I just started to think about that as I was running around this track and trying to step inside these footprints and follow this path I had laid before. And, you know, as we think about that, and as we think about the new year and who we want to be this new year, some things probably don't need to change. Um, you know, if we put on our right sock first every morning, because we have patterns like that, you know, think about it, which sock do you put on first? There's, there's an answer. Um, you know, if you put your right sock on first, switching to your left isn't likely going to cause any sort of potent transformation in your life. That's not something that you know, it's going to make a huge difference. However, other bite-sized changes might make a huge difference. You know, for some of us, maybe it's quitting caffeine. That was a huge change that um, did wonders in my life because in college I had, I was drinking energy drinks and soda all the time. Um, and I had this sort of baseline state of anxiety and had no clue what it was or what was causing it. And then I actually quit drinking caffeine and surprise, it went away. Um, now I'm not against caffeine or I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole, but, um, nowadays I probably only have it once every two weeks because I just don't like having that sensation that's associated with anxiety for me. But you know, there's a, we could go, the list could go on with these bite-sized changes. You know, it could be going to bed at the same time every night. It could be resting from all work or striving one day a week and taking time to enjoy, um, the things in our life. But the truth is that our days are made up of a relatively small number of patterns. And the only way for us to really, really change is to slightly tweak those pieces of our life to get different results. Those things have tremendous power to change us. So one of the questions that I like to ask myself whenever it comes time for goal setting, looking to the future, thinking about who I want to be in the world, I like to ask myself, what is the smallest and simplest thing 
I can change that will have the biggest impact on my quality of life. So rather than starting with, this is what I want to do this year. I want to finish this book I'm working on. I want to run this marathon. I think first about who do I want to be? Who who would I need to be in order to enjoy my life? If I had achieved all these things externally, you know, at what point would I feel good in me enjoying myself? And the answers are really powerful and they're often way simpler than we think they are because at least for most of us, and I see this in myself, we have these external goals because there's something that we're hoping to achieve with them, right? I want to run this marathon because I want to feel um, like my body has vitality. I want to feel like I have energy. I want to feel like I'm able to push myself. I want to have discipline, right? All those things. And there is nothing wrong with external goals. Hear me clearly on that. But we got to remember why we have those external goals. I constantly have to remind myself, why do I want to do this? What, where's the joy here? How do we enjoy life more? And so that's, I think, the important thing with this question is, you know, what is the simplest and smallest thing I can change that will have the biggest impact on my quality of life? And often it starts with something physical I've found. So going to bed at the same time every night, right? Like, when we feel rested and energized, we're able to do a whole slew of external things that we wouldn't be able to do if we were sleep deprived and exhausted all the time, right? So certain things like that are really, really important because they have ripple effects and help us do other things better. They help us achieve more at our job if that's important to us or be more present with our kids or our spouse or um, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. So here's the thing though. When you decide to change get ready because it is going to feel uncomfortable. There is no way around that. And the reason is because we equate familiarity with comfort. And that's something that I think is sort of programmed into us. Um, New choices and thoughts make our body feel new things, right? And our bodies are sort of programmed to crave the known uh, because it's safe. We can predict it at least we have the illusion of it being safe or being able to predict it. But the reality is is unexpected things could happen at any moment, interrupting um, sort of that status quo. But after starting a new practice, uh, many of us take that discomfort as a sign to stop of, oh, you know, I'm doing something to better my life, but it feels uncomfortable. I should stop because we value comfort so highly and just kind of put that as this virtue that, is the biggest thing that we strive for in life. I don't know about you, but comfort is not the biggest thing that I'm here for. I would way rather have enjoyment and aliveness than comfort. Now, at the same time, I don't want my life to devolve into pure chaos, right? So it's it's finding the val- the uh, the balance between the two. So, you know, like I said before, many of us will take discomfort as a sign to stop something new and positive that we're implementing. But it's not, that's not what it is. It's actually a sign. This discomfort is a sign for us to keep going. So think about weightlifting. If you go to the gym with the intention of getting stronger, but you sit down, you know, at the bench press and you just lift the bar because it's the most comfortable, are you really going to build any substantial muscle? Are you going to gain any strength? No, of, of course not. The growth comes in with a healthy amount a healthy amount of resistance. And so that's what I want to leave us all with today. 
as we enter this new year. What footprints do you want to leave in the snow? Who do you want to be this new year? What are the new things you can start changing today? And don't be afraid to make them small. Pick something simple that you can easily implement over, you know, a 30-day period because that's when it's going to start really, really solidifying these grooves. Pick, pick a few things. Um, start with one. Start with something um, seemingly simple that will make a huge impact for you. And make a little chart and every day check off when you do it and, uh, and see what happens. Mm -hmm.